0: We're going to be opening up to John chapter 14 and reading uh, verses 1 through 7. So John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I may be, you may also uh, may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Hey everyone,
1: it's so great to be with you guys. Um, Welcome back, Happy New Year. My name is Jacob, if we haven't met before, and great to see a bunch of faces here um, who we haven't seen before, haven't seen for a while um and what a great way to start the year I think for a few reasons one is we haven't done this for almost a month it was the 11th of December which was the last time we had a normal kind of church day because we had Christmas carols and Christmas then new year um but also this is the best start to a year we've had in almost three years because this week last year I remember quite clearly about 20 of us had COVID we were online it was just, everything was going downhill, whereas this year, everything's on the up and up, so what a great way to start, and it is going to be a great year, um, and just echoing Rob's announcement about the 10th anniversary, which is also a, a reunion as well for people coming back on board. We've already chatted to a bunch of folk who have moved out of Sydney, who are going to be coming back for that night, um, so it's going to be great, great fun. And it is ticketed because it's gonna be quality. It's not gonna be your nana's potluck dinner. It's gonna be it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be good food, good drink, good vibe, um, and a night worth putting in your diary. So um, get a ticket. It's gonna be it's gonna be a real blast. Um, let's pray, and then we're gonna get into the 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 verses that Rob just read to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just wanna just ask that you would be um, speaking to us and nourishing us and refreshing us by your word this morning. Um, this is a time of year where often we're in need of refreshment and renewal and clarity and insight as we just think about what um, what the next year is going to look like um, and, and what it is that you would actually have before us. And so we just pray that you'd give us really attentive ears to Jesus' words, that we would um, take them with the same seriousness that we would take them if we were sitting across a table from him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I hope you guys had a good, um, good bit of a break over Christmas and New Year's, got up to some kind of fun stuff as well. I did something uh, last week I hadn't done for a, quite a long time, I think it was about 10 years actually, which is I went to a music festival, um, which I think I, it just reminded me how much I've aged since the last time I did it um but an exciting thing especially after COVID to get together like it was like I think it was like 15,000 people there that were going out to kind of the bush uh to kind of spend a weekend just just having a lot of fun and the name of the festival that I went to was Lost Paradise now I don't know who, who named it and I spent most of my time there just sort of thinking on whether they were aware just how theologically loaded uh that name was and whether or not they'd read John Milton's epic poem, Paradise Lost. Now, you might say that if you spend your time at a music festival thinking about a theological poem written in the 1600s, you're probably not the target audience, and <laughs> you'd be right. Um, and I haven't, I, look, I haven't read all of, of Paradise Lost, and you may be familiar with it, you may not. But, but basically, it's, it's this epic, poetic retelling of the, the creation and fall account of the Bible. It's, uh, it's a, I guess, bringing to life of these great cosmic realities that really explain the world we live in today, that, that, um, that there was once a paradise, that is what creation was meant to be, and yet through, through sin and evil, and in, in this poem it just fleshed out these big cosmic battles between God and Satan, all very embellished and, and creative. But basically the idea being that humankind, as is, is embodied in Adam and Eve, Sinned, they rebelled and were cast out of paradise. And the defining, really, feature of our existence as people, is marked by a deep underlying yearning to re-enter paradise. And so I think it's really like creative name to call a music festival because it's selling people this idea that there is a paradise to be found, there is something missing, and it was something to witness to see thousands of people descending on a on a a valley to, to to seek paradise through. Music and yoga and time with friends and time with nature and and dancing and everything it is. It it stems from a yearning to have paradise. If you're familiar with any of the writings of C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia series along with a whole bunch of other stuff, one of the main themes he would write about in in many of his books was this theme of longing. And there's not really a word in English that that captures what he talks about, but there's a German word that just sounds cool, which is sensut which doesn't have an English translation, but it basically means the thing that we all have, which is a nostalgia for something we haven't personally experienced. It's the desire that we might find upon reflection to be nourished by something we haven't even tasted. It's the longing for something in a distant memory that we can't quite place. And consciously or unconsciously, much of our life is spent in pursuit of regaining this missing thing, Often it, it, you can kind of see it in this time of year around Christmas and New Year's and holidays, of if, if people trying to create for themselves some kind of miniature paradise around a Christmas table with family, hoping that it doesn't get spoiled by argument or, or fractions, whether it's time just on the beach. Now everyone's got their cool cabanas this year, so trying to make out their own little just, this is my spot, this is where perfection is. And even with New Year's, we think about What is coming? Often New Year's resolutions are kind of built around how is it that I can perfect my life? How can I fix what is wrong with it? Whether it's through changing something about my body or something about my career or amassing a certain type of experience. So today what we're going to be doing is looking at really what is one of Jesus' most famous, most quoted teachings. And it's a teaching about what is the way back? What is the way to gain and discover and find and ultimately attain for eternity the life that we're desperately longing for. And so the context of what we're looking at today, it's in, um, we're calling this series The Upper Room, because we're looking at a part of John's Gospel, as Rob said, where, where Jesus has gathered, it's the night before he is going to be arrested and killed, it's the Passover night, and he's gathered for a Passover meal with his closest friends and followers. And he sits around a table. He begins his meal by washing their feet, um, by, by speaking to them, um, bringing some pretty heavy things up. He predicts Judas' betrayal of him. But then he, he enters into this kind of extended speech, if you will, where he's preparing his followers for a life of following him when he is not physically present with them. I think that's why this is so relevant to us. So what it's going to be today is just you know, trying to just sit in and eavesdrop in really on this conversation, just kind of hearing Jesus speak and letting that kind of wash over us. So let's have a look at Jesus' first words. He begins the section that we just looked at then by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. This kind of frames everything that's to follow in what Jesus is saying. It's this endeavor to give them words of comfort that will stop them from feeling worried or feeling troubled. And so the question would be, why would they feel troubled? Isn't it the case that when someone tells you not to worry, it's normally because they're about to tell you something that's going to be really worrying? Like if a doctor says, don't worry, this won't hurt. If you weren't already worried, that's when you start worrying because why would you say that if there wasn't going to be something to worry about? My wife Sarah calls me up and says, starts the phone call with don't panic. It's probably because like, I already fill in the gaps so she burnt the house down and she crashed the car. Normally she's just on a one-year subscription for a reality TV show streaming service. <laughs> that's not that doesn't need a panic. But... Uh, But normally when someone says that, you're saying, well, hang on, why are you telling me that? So Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. The first thing you'd be thinking if you are one of Jesus' followers is, why do you need to say that? What's going on? And there's some pretty troubling things that they're going to experience. Particularly over the next 24 hours, Jesus' disciples are going to witness him being arrested in the dark by, by armed men, taken to a secret trial where he's falsely testified against and denied justice, led out of the city, stripped naked, nailed to a cross where he's left to die through asphyxiation. There's some troubling things they're going to witness that he's preparing them for here. But he's not just preparing them for the next 24 hours, he's preparing them as well for the next days and weeks and months and years of their life, where they're going to be tasked with being Jesus' messages of this new reality and this new life where they're going to go throughout the Roman Empire and they're going to find opposition. They're going to find people who who are out together and they're going to experience being rejected by their families and their own people. Many of them are going to experience being arrested and even killed themselves. And as the years roll by, this reality of Jesus sitting across from them at a dinner table is going to grow more and more into a distant memory and maybe they'll start asking the question, Is this all going to plan? Is this right? They might be thinking that when they see Jesus die, they might be thinking that 20 years later. Where they're feeling, is God really behind this? Is Jesus coming back? The life of a disciple, a follower of Jesus, can be troubling for heaps of reasons. And and I think if you're someone who's a follower of Jesus, you know that being a follower of Jesus doesn't spare you troubles. Maybe coming to this year just feeling kind of just weighed down by any number of burdens. Maybe you feel like life just hasn't been tracking the way that you were hoping it would in some way, shape or form. Maybe you're going through something more acute, something that's just really just deeply unpleasant or unrelenting. Maybe you're just feeling a general despondency or a, or a sense that God is not with you. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. He goes on to say, instead of that, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is saying that the, the way to, to spare yourself from trouble is to, to believe, to believe something, to draw to mind and, and hold before you certain things, certain promises. And in particular, it's the promises that he gives them in these next couple of verses. In verse 2 he says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Here's the promise that Jesus lays out for his disciples, and he uses the metaphor of a house. He's saying, look, there, there, is, a, there is a home. There is a place, it's a great place to live. It's where, where God your Father is, and there is space there, and I'm going ahead of you to get it ready for you, so that even though you don't have it yet, you've got something great to look forward to. This promise would really have connected with Jesus' disciples. I think it's the case that in our world we're often subconsciously looking for this kind of experience of home and reconnection with God. But for a Jewish person, it wasn't something in the back of their head. It was, it was everything. It was the, the main goal of life was to work at how is it that I can get back into a relationship with the Father, with God? How can I g- regain what was lost at the garden? And Jesus is saying, look, the way to get things right, the way to get back into relationship with God is actually through him. He's going to go and get things ready. He's going to get it sorted. And despite the troubles that you might experience in the short term, you need to hold to the reality that Jesus has gone and done something for you, and he's coming back to take you to be with him. A few years ago, me and my immediate family were discussing my dad's upcoming 60th birthday, and I threw out to the family, well, instead of doing like a big party, how about we just as a family go and, hike over some mountains in New Zealand because that's something I wanted to do I needed an excuse to do that I think it's because I wanted to like come the closest I could to living out Lord of the Rings but anyway surprisingly I said yes to this and so I said all right let's do this we, we planned out a trip we found like a hike that was going to kind of hopefully work with for everyone in my family and their different levels of ability and, uh, and we got going and, um, and it was still actually a really really tough walk. Um, it was it was cold. It was wet for some of it. It was like quite mountainous terrain. And it was an exhausting time. You'd get to the end of a, of a long day walking, carrying all your stuff, and you'd just want to rest, but then you'd have to kind of get to work setting up a fire, cooking your dehydrated, bland food, um, and then kind of sleeping on like a pretty much just the bare ground over the night. But On the first day of this walk, we realized this isn't the way that every single person did it. As we were trudging up a mountain, this other group overtook us carrying normal-sized backpacks, sprightly kind of laughing and chatting their way up the mountain. And I said, what's going on here? Like, where's all your stuff? And they explained, which I didn't know at the time, there was another way to do this walk. You could pay, I don't know how much money, to be part of a, a guided group where every night you would get access to an exclusive hut that was resupplied by helicopter and staffed, where you'd get there after your day, walking in the rain, go inside, the fire would already be going, a three-course meal would be cooked for you, and you'd get your own like, fully-made bed for the evening. Now, do I think less of those people? <laughs> Definitely. I think much, but... Was I also jealous and did I think that would be quite nice? I definitely would. Because how, how much of a difference would it make as you're kind of battling through the elements to know that not too, not too far away, if something is waiting for you, something good, something, something warm and, and, and homely to, to so that you'd be able to rest? And this is sort of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, there's going to be some, some troubling things. You're going, to have, you're going to have a bit of a hard walk ahead of you, but the reason I'm not with you is I've gone ahead to do something, so you've got something to look forward to. That at the end of this, there is something to be waiting for. Life as it should be. That he's gone and done what, it is, what, it, what was needed for us to experience life with God. And so, so much of... of I guess, belief and faith is, is trying to draw to mind that, that reality that, that Jesus has done this, that Jesus is taking us to be with God. We've got something to look forward to. That's the reality that we need to speak into our troubled hearts. And Jesus ends that section by saying, to "Look, so this is what's going to happen. I'm going ahead of you, and you know the way to the place where I'm going. And that results in a question from Thomas, if you look forward into verse 5. Where it says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And it's this question that prompts one of the most famous, if not the most famous thing that Jesus ever utters, where he says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now these words of Jesus are both some of the most confronting, I think, as well as the most comforting words that Jesus speaks. And I think it's obvious how they are confronting, because this, this is a statement of exclusivity, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say that he's just one optional way. He doesn't say that he's uh, one truth amongst a whole bunch of truth. He doesn't say that he's one possible expression of what a life could look like. No, he's saying he's the way. He's the only way to get home, the only way to the Father. That He's the truth, the ultimate truth that that by, by knowing it makes sense of all of life. He's the life. He himself is the means of truly living, both now and for eternity. These are massive claims. These are not modest claims. Jesus is extraordinarily humble. He, he laid down his life. He didn't lord it over people. He didn't look down on people. But he was not modest about who he was. He didn't understate his own identity. He's making one of the most radical claims that anyone has ever made. This is not something you can just say lightly. This isn't something you just that anyone else can, can ever say. He's saying something unique. And it's confronting. It's particularly confronting to our like pluralistic society that says at the end of the day, every belief is valid. All religions are kind of different roads up the same mountain. It's confronting to hear that no Jesus is saying, no, I'm the only way. And this was confronting 2,000 years ago. It was confronting to a, a, a world of people who had who had lived their life pursuing Jewish obedience to the law. To say that there's actually no other way, there's no way that anyone can get to God other than through him. It's a confronting statement. And there's a couple of ways you could kind of approach a statement like this in really determining whether or not there's any truth to it. One, one thing you could do when you, when you hear this is to say, well, I'm going to try then all the alternatives. And I think collectively, this is kind of what our world is doing. We're trying to find any other possible way to find truth, any other way to find our our connection to where we belong, any other way to find God. Whether it's looking to to experiences or to morality uh, or looking to learning or community or any number of different religions, so much of life is is the seeking out of a way, trying to find the good life, trying to find the life we deep down we, we know we truly need. And maybe you've tried some of these or you've tried approaches to find life and you've found that they're often dead ends. If you look for life in, in a relationship, the honeymoon period with the new partner always ends. If you look for it in a, in a good experience in and a night out, those, those hangovers just get longer and they get worse. If it's in the thrill of a new job, it's that disappointment when you find that that too becomes mediocre when you get back from the holiday the experience that you've been looking forward to for years and two weeks later you're just itching for another one when the purchase you've been saving up for doesn't fill the void our world is trying to find alternatives to this to find to 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 live as though what jesus is saying is not true but everywhere else leads to a dead end but the other way to test out what jesus is saying is to will say well let, let me take you at your word it's to believe it to say, okay, Jesus, let me see. Let me see. And to follow him, to hit your life to him and see if he's good on his word. To consider, it, could it actually be the case that Jesus is the way to life? And as we get into a new year, I think this is just one of the things we can do as we reflect on Jesus' words here is to say, well, what actually am I putting my stake in? What is, what is my hope in? What am I staking my life on? Where am I going to with the belief this is going to lead me to the thing i most desperately need this is going to lead me to life this is going to lead me to God is it Jesus or is it something else and if it's something else what Jesus is saying to you should be confronting and potentially even offensive because Jesus is saying nowhere else will, will suffice he is the only way that's the confronting element to what Jesus says there's a comfort to it as well there's a comfort in what Jesus is saying because if what Jesus says is true it means that there actually is a way, that there is a truth and there is a life. And I reckon it's the case that over the last few hundred years of just increasing the increasing secular secularism of our society has led I think many people to the terrifying conclusion that there is no ultimate truth. That there is no greater organizing power over this universe, that there is no meaning other than the meaning that we subjectively ascribe to things. There is no way through to something more. There is no eternal life. And so the best we can have is what we have now. There is no ultimate life, no Eden, no paradise, no home waiting for us on the other side. And that conclusion is, a, is if you think about it, a pretty poor one. It's a pretty dis- one that would lead you to, to, to despair. And I think the only reason that we're not collectively despairing as a society is that as we've kind of come to that conclusion more and more, we've just upped the dose of distraction and the things that will just help us not think about that reality that we've decided. We up the amount of just Netflix we consume and and how nice we can make our homes and the amount of time we spend on our phones to avoid looking down the road. But if Jesus is right, there's another option, which is that there is something good to look forward to. There is a life that can be achieved. And the way to that life is through Jesus. This is the core claim that Jesus makes about himself, is that he is the way. The way that you, you get what you're most desperately need isn't by doing anything. It isn't by navigating life yourself. It is in him. That what it meant for Jesus to go and prepare a place was to actually go to the cross, to die Face the wrath of God for our sins, so that when our time comes to stand before God, what needs to be done is already done. The punishment's been paid. Jesus has gone before us to fear to death, risen to life, and is awaiting us, awaiting any who would come to him to experience this life. This is the best reality in the universe. This is what we need to be clinging to. This is what can give us hope and comfort. To know that Jesus is the way, that He's gone before us, He's gone to the cross, He's gone into darkness, even into death itself, so that we would not have to. So as we step out as a church into another year, and it's a year that obviously no one really knows what it's going to entail. We never do. Like that's the lesson of the last few years when wars, pandemics, they come out of nowhere. What do you do? How do you navigate life? How do you, how do you function in the, in, in the face of uncertainty? Well, Jesus would say you cling to him because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. This is how you navigate life. In a sense, it's, it's the difference between how I find my way around and how my two-year-old son does. When I, we're in like a new shopping center or something, and I don't know my way around. It's like I've got to be switched on, I've got to like look at the little signs around the place, use those you know, display panels to navigate. But my son, it's just life is easy for him. All he has to do is hold my hand. If he just does that, he's gonna get where he needs to go. And so there's some there's something in that in, in Jesus' instruction here. He's saying to us, look, if you're feeling exhausted going into this year, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling uncertain, if you're even feeling a sense of maybe guilt or or, or frustration with how the past has been, Jesus is extending his arm and just saying, look, hold my hand. Come with me. I've got this. I've done this. You are safe with me. I will lead you to life. And so my encouragement to you this year is is a really simple one on the back of this, which is just to stay close to Jesus. Jesus just to cling to him and this reality. And I think often as we go into New year, is that just opportunity to take stock, to take stock of what are we thinking about, what are we prioritizing, what are we holding on to, what are we thinking is going to give our life meaning and significance and joy, what do we feel like is th- what has to happen this year for us to be happy, and just to question that and to wonder, is it, the ca- is it that we cling to Jesus or are we clinging to someone else or something else? And you might be here and you might be unconvinced even that Jesus is the way to life. And I want to encourage you that we're in a new year. Maybe you're even here because New Year's resolution was to just come to a church and start exploring. I just want to encourage you in that journey to explore. The claims that Jesus makes are massive. And if they are true, they're life-changing. And we'd love you just to keep exploring that with us. Over the next few weeks, we're we'll going to be looking into more of Jesus' teaching. We'd love you to join us and just to sit under that. Um, a bit later into the term, we're going to be running an, an alpha course, which is a chance to really sit around with a meal and ask more questions and explore together. But just to keep going that journey of, of sussing out Jesus, seeing what he's on about, seeing what he offers. And if you are someone who, who has already kind of made this decision or, or come to this realization that Jesus is the way, the truth, of the life, then if there's like any kind of, I don't know, resolution or thing to think about or get back on track with this, this year, it would just be are you spending time with this God. Are you sitting with Jesus? Are you listening to him? Are you holding on to that reality? And I think often over the kind of Christmas in your time, that like, can be a time when like you know spending time with God and his word can just fall fall off and, and you with all the distraction and routine gone i want to encourage you just to be sitting with jesus even this week this is just a great chance to get back into into his word and often a big part of that is just knowing what to read and i reckon just if you if you're just not currently reading reading the bible at the moment not spending much time with jesus this part of the bible is a great place to start if you open up your bible to john 13 you're just going to be witnessing a conversation with jesus where just Everything that he says can just be meditated on for, for ages because it is just so rich with meaning and life and love. So I'd encourage you to do that this week. And my prayer would be that as a church, that with, every, with who knows what this year is going to bring, that we would be able to say at the end of this year, that this is the year that we have stayed close to Jesus, that we have experienced the truth of his promise, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask that you would just give us a real deep sense of the truth of this, a conviction that you are who you say you are, that you are the way to life. Lord, we just know that so often we, we look in other places, go to other things, become distracted, grow weary, grow forgetful. And we just ask that this morning, if any of us have just been have been wandering, have just been sleepwalking through life, that you would help us just know that you are so, so good, that you are with us, that you are leading us through, that in you we can have the certainty that we will find life and life to the full. And for anyone here who's exploring as well, we just ask that maybe 2023 would be the year that they get to see you clearly for the first time. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.